you would expect in these next moments. Are you expecting a nap? Jordan? Are you expecting a nap? No? I'm sure. Okay. Are you expecting to get something practical? Are you just hoping that you can set your watch knowing that it is about 1028 and if you set it right, I will be done before 11. That might be some of the expectation. What, as I've said for a couple weeks now, you know, what we expect is, and what we are looking for, we will find. So if you're looking for a certain time to be done, you will watch your watch. Okay? And, and uh, you may either be pleasantly surprised or a little, you know, frustrated by whatever time we get done. If you expect to have a good nap, just go ahead and feel free to put an extra couple dollars in the offering plate. I can go as long as you need to to get that nap Yeah, Calvin, don't get too anxious over there. But your father-in-law will be coming through real soon. Just go ahead and give it to him, and we'll, we'll settle up for next week. But as we get started this morning, I just want to know what you think. How would you fill it in this blank? Life is... And what would you say? Those of you online, why don't you go ahead and chat it in. Uh, go ahead and type it in or send it my way. Life is, how would you respond? What? A journey. Good. Unpredictable. Jordan, I'm going to pick on you. Yeah, because you said something. I saw the mouth when you were right over You don't get off the hook because your dad's going to have the answer too. So Jevin, start first. Show her how to do it. A marathon. A marathon. Jordan, straight up boys, you're next over here. Overrated. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Almost over here. <laughs> Almost over here. <laughs> I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Complicated. Are you just going to take these things through? Fun. Miraculous. Great. Unfair. Were you teaching them that just, just this morning? Okay, because I, I can see it happening. I know those two five-year-olds. Unfair. A miracle. Hard. Unpredictable. All those things. And sometimes how we view life will be what we find in life. And all those are, are uh, correct. It wasn't it interesting that, you know, um, some of our answers go across generations, don't they? You know, uh, you know overrated. Uh-huh. Sometimes it is, isn't it? You know, and, it, and that's not just something a teenager would think. Maybe the teenager is the only one who would verbalize it. But others of us sometimes go, that's it. If I, you know, I want my subscription, you know, canceled. You know, then some like that's against what it's almost canceled here. You know, you have 20 more years to, to get there, all right? So, you know, life is. Someone online put a gift. Uh, life is good 
those of you who are watching online, I'm glad I'm able to kind of pick those up quickly. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and we've, all of those things that we've said have been true in the past probably years, and even maybe in the past week. You know, life has been unfair, complicated, you know, a gift, miraculous, uh, overrated, you know, any of those. It's been good, it's been bad, it's been all. And I think it's important and this morning, you know, I want us just to remember that life is good. You know, it must be in my head a little bit. I'm sorry. That's scary. Oh, God. <laughs> Makes two of us, you know. Sorry for you. Yeah, yeah, okay. Life is a journey. And we're all on this journey. And, and as with any journey, there is a beginning, a middle, and an end. There are high points, and there are low points. And everyone is on it. But what I love about this word, why, why I chose the word this morning journey, because it also indicates movement, motion, not just sitting down and just letting the world pass by. And I believe that's why we see throughout all of Scripture this kind of thing that all of the world is moving as if on a journey. What journey are you on this morning? How are you walking on this journey? As we talk about the kingdom of God, we, we, we are going to learn, I, I hope, something today. Maybe you won't learn it new. Maybe it will be a reminder. But we're going to interact with probably the uh, most famous chapter in Scripture, John chapter 3. You know, a, a chapter that has been used over and over to describe life. And I'm intentionally not going to interact much with John 3.16. Mainly because the more I would interact with it, the more, and especially those of you who've been around the church, you already have this idea of what that's to me, and I don't necessarily want to ruin it uh, this morning. Because sometimes, when we think we know it, we just stop being curious about it. When you think you're at your destination, or you think you know the way, you stop, except to say, wait a minute, that may not be right. It happened just last night. We were back in Hamilton for a wedding uh, with uh, one of my teenagers. Um, and so one of these days to make it to happen, I'm definitely doing yours. You don't get any choice. No. All right? We're doing a wedding for one, and we went a different way from my mom's house. And Ellie was five, and, and I turned down, she goes, Dad, are you going the right way? going the right way. Of course I am. I know how to get old. I, I lived here a lot. She goes, oh, I heard, what did she say? Something about being born there in that house? You know, and, and then I said, well, no, I was born out there, but I lived with, at Grandma's house for a long time. And it's interesting that she picked up a five that I wasn't going the right way. It's like this journey. And we see things. And maybe the challenge for you and I this morning is that we need to realize everyone's on a journey and we don't all enter into the journey with Jesus at the same point or in the same way. And so we pick up this story in John chapter 3, which is 
John is starting to take us on a journey of different people who interact with Jesus. As John is going to give us different people on their life journey that get interrupted, per se, with the kingdom of God. And, and what we see in this chapter here is, I think, really important. There was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council, most likely the same evening. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. And I find this interesting. Because see, Jesus has been going out and about, but Nicodemus doesn't come during day. And, then, and there may be some, you know, reasons for that. Maybe he's scared. Because sometimes life is fearful. And you're scared of what may be happening next. Or what has happened. Maybe he's just been so busy that he finally got some time to get away. Some of you can relate to that, where, where life is full or busy, especially uh, you parents. It's just one of those where you go, oh my goodness, when can I get away? And finally you get that time, and you go on. Maybe it was just, he was really finally just interesting, because life is interesting. And sometimes that interesting part of things sends you deeper. And so here he comes to see Jesus. And what do we find with Jesus? Jesus accommodates him. He meets with him. He accommodates him. But he does it to some extent on Nicodemus' terms. He doesn't say, I tell you what, uh, Nicodemus, Nick, why don't you just wait until in the morning? And I'll get back to you between 9 and 5. You know? He doesn't do that. He, he takes him right where he is. Yesterday and Friday, ABC Ohio hosted a leadership conference of which 60% uh, of the time on Friday I was there. I had to leave early because I had to drive. You probably shouldn't be on a video call while driving. That's uh, a little frowned upon. Even though I can turn my video off, I can listen to them. You know, I can even speak to them if I wanted. Uh, didn't, and then I wasn't on. But to talk about uh, the different generations and how uh, most churches are multi-generational. We are multi-generational. There is, in this sanctuary, five generations in the sanctuary, at least. Uh, maybe, I don't think any six. Catholic is here, probably six, but only five. Uh, and then if you add uh, Eliana, our five-year-olds, and uh, Riker, you get, am I in seven, right? Or six? Six generations. We're multi-generation. And that can be something we ought to celebrate. But multi-generational doesn't necessarily mean we ought to belong. In fact, it probably means we don't. Instead, what the conference was about is how can churches like ours be intergenerational? Where it's not just we have a bunch of different people in the building, but we actually are intergenerational, where the Coopers get to uh, talk with the pastor kids, and vice versa. And one of the things they, that stood out to me 
I don't know if it was the main point of our speaker or not, it was for me, is that all generations need to learn to accommodate the others. Judy, you laugh too hard too quickly. You want to know the funny part, Judy? Jordan did the same thing. Don't you just hate that you're in my life, you? And that, and that look was like, uh-huh, I'm going to go to sleep now. Try to keep my face from saying what my thoughts do it, right? You know, we do. We need to, to accommodate one another. And typically, the generations that are not accommodated are the younger generations. Because we will tell them things like, just wait your turn. I had to wait, you ought to wait. We do that too often, and they will leave. And they will not be And we will have no other plan but us. Also, you younger generation, we need to accommodate us older folks as well. But in order to do that, we have to be intentional about reaching people. We have to be intentional about interacting with others who are not like us. And, it's, and, and part of the premise by Friday at least, and, and what we actually, uh, believe it or not, we've been trying to do this, we just didn't know we were doing it, is where we do things together across generations, where Barb can learn from the younger generation and vice versa, where Joyce learns from Eliana and Hannah on Wednesday night, you know, they make salads together, and vice versa. Joyce doesn't do that for them, but does it together. That's why I'm excited that one of these days, we're going to get back to when a, uh, a concept of dinner church where we all sit around the table, where, where Jordan can say things to me, which she already does. I'm, I'm just going to pick on you all more. Okay? All day, actually. You know, where, where uh, Jordan gets to you know, say things to me that she may never say to anybody else. She's already laughing. Where the straighter boys say things and do things to me on Sunday nights that you probably would never do to another pastor, right? Do you even think on Sunday nights that I'm your pastor at times? You just forget. You forget. That's a beautiful thing. Until they hurt me. Alright? And then it's a painful thing. Alright? But, but when generations get together, they forget really just how old one another are. And they learn from each other. You know, believe it or not, I realize that on Sunday nights I can teach them, but a lot of times they teach me. And there are, there are many of people throughout the ages that have said that if churches want to grow up in the Lord, they must learn to allow those younger and older grow them up in the Lord. And so I think we need to learn to accommodate. We need to uh, meet people where they are. Are you a person that makes people meet your terms before you will interact with them? Do they have to come in a certain way? See, because John 3 is giving us right at the beginning that Nicodemus comes at night and Jesus very well, where John could very well have said something like he does in John 1, where the darkness tried to overshadow. See, Nicodemus, if you'd only come during the day, Jesus would be able to answer your question. If only you would come at the right time in the right way. Instead, Jesus engages him. 
Nicodemus says, we know you have to be from God. And so Jesus replies. He says, truly I tell you, and I'm telling you the truth, Nicodemus, that unless you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born from above, is how I like to word it. We talk about born again, which is a, a, a good way, but it, you know, sometimes they get so caught up. But born from above. And it reminds us this morning that the kingdom of God is open. It's not shut. In fact, if it was shut, Jesus would never have said it. He would have said, either you're in or you're out. But Nicodemus, you can be born from above. You can come into the kingdom of God. It's not exclusive in the idea that only a certain group of people get there. You know, it says later in that great verse that we know God so loved the world. It's not exclusive in the idea that uh, only a certain group at a certain time can come in. Now, that's probably what the Jews of the day thought. This kingdom of God to them was, we are the nation of Israel. We are God's people. Either you are an Israelite and part of God's kingdom, or you are not. And right away, we see Jesus saying, uh-uh, no longer do the terms of this world get to dictate whether you're in or out. And that's why I think very powerfully the next story of Jesus accommodating and meeting people and allowing his life to be interrupted by people is a Samaritan woman who is technically, according to the Jews, outside of the kingdom. Because she's a Samaritan, and two, she's a woman. And three, she was in the middle of the day getting water. Not good sun, right there. Three strikes, she's out. But here we are reminded. Now just because it doesn't mean it means that everyone can get in. What he is not saying here is that there's, all, there's multiple ways to there. He says very clearly, you must be born above. Born again. It is exclusive in the idea there is one way into the kingdom. But it's open for all. And what does Nicodemus say? He says, wait a minute. How is that possible? How can I get back inside and be born again? You know, we were talking to our kids, and they were being a little bit of smart outs. They were a little sarcastic. Not sure where they get that from. Um, but they were. And, and I said, Dan, Dan, you're just being a smart out. He said, no, I'm not. I'm a smart game. And Josiah's like, yeah, I'm a smart Josiah. And Eliana's like, yeah, I'm a smart Eliana. Yes, you guys are very literal. All right? And that's what he's picking up here. He's picking it up. And sometimes we get there. Because see, he thought he did it. He was a teacher of the law himself. And, and he was trying to figure this out. And the nice thing, though, is at least he's curious, right? At least he's curious to the process. But Jesus wasn't talking just a literal. He was saying this, you've got to be transformed. And you can't do it on your own. You've got to be transformed by who Christ is. This is the concept of being born again. It isn't adding on. See, and this is different for the Jews of the day. This takes the idea of the kingdom of God and kind of flips it on its head because they thought as long as you were an Israelite, you were in. As long as you were from the seed of Abraham, you, it didn't matter what you did. You got it. They were hoping for this kingdom that was coming. 
but they, they thought their hope was in what they did and who they were. And I wonder if sometimes that's not where we are like Nicodemus. In our journey of spiritual transformation, we think it's what we, who we are, or the family that we've been brought up in, the world we live in, or the fact that for some of us we have been a part of this church for three, four, five generations back. And we no longer get curious, and we no longer accommodate anybody, because unless you're one of us and have been one of us, you won't get it. If you're an outsider, you just kind of stay there. Wait your turn. How can we, as a church, be reminded that it is the name that is on our last name that matters? It is whether or not we have been transformed by the kingdom of God today. When it comes to leading our church, to navigating the waters of our church, to lead us into the next stage. Because the reality is we sung it. We talked about it. We talked about being, uh, you know, going out on waters to the great unknown. And we are in a time in history where we have the most exciting days ahead, but it's unknown territory. We don't know where we're going. I read a book, I believe about a year ago, called Canoeing the Mountains. Now it's legal laughing hard and loud. You know, why was that so funny, you know? You can't even imagine canoeing the mountains, huh? It's true, you go, that's impossible. You can't canoe mountains. But, I mean, I guess you could, but, uh, you know, I at least want a lot of teenagers to be the one rowing, and I just want to be sitting in the middle saying, go, go. You're already shaking your head, no. concept of the book and the premise comes back from an ancient story of Lewis and Clark. Anybody remember them? Some of you do. Alright. Hey, do you know Lewis and Clark? Not personally. Well, I mean, I didn't think anybody knew him personally. No. You know, you have a birthday coming up, but I don't think yeah, you, you, you're at that caliber yet. You know, Lewis and Clark, they were great explorers. They were to do what? find a water passage to the Pacific Ocean. Because everyone thought there was one that existed from the river, the great Mississippi River, to this Pacific Ocean. So what did they take on their journey? Canoes. Water stuff. And all of a sudden they get to the point where they go, up those rights. We can't canoe this. And they ended up finding help from the Indian God. But they also had to keep moving forward. Because they could have just stopped. They could have said, well, it's impossible. We don't know what it is. We brought canoes, not hiking gear, so we're just going to take the water away and hopefully find something sooner or later. And I'm sure somebody sooner or later would have found it. Their claim to fame wasn't that they stopped in the midst of the unknown, it's the fact they went into the unknown. And there, they found transformation. It transformed not just their lives, 
but the nation that we knew it. They sent out. They went there. And here's where even, I, I, I don't like to think of myself as old yet. But here's where even someone in my shoes, if I don't let and don't learn from our younger generation, I will miss the opportunity to be transformed. I will miss where they may lead us and lead me in a way that I'll go, that's so cool. Thank you. And the Jordans and the others, and the Coopers and the Cadence, Big Nate, you know, which we laugh about. There's no big name, and Bryant, and Colby, and Tim, and Ashlyn, and Faith. Who am I missing from around our table with it? You can't think of it. I will miss what they teach. Will I always like what they're going to teach me? but I can be transformed and I am willing to be curious. And that's what's happening here. Nicodemus, he's curious, he's going. He doesn't get it right away. In fact, he comes back later on. He leaves this encounter with three. He gets this idea. He has no hope. He's not going to get it because he, he goes, I, 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 how can this be? It's impossible. I don't get it. And a lot of times, if we forget that people are on a journey, we just, when they don't get it, when we think they ought to get it, how do we think they ought to get it? We just write them off. And what we see here in the Gospel of John is that later Nicodemus comes back into the scene. John chapter 7 is one of those. And then typically, John 19 at the end, where he seems to have gotten it. Transformation may happen at once, but transformation sometimes happens over a period of time. And sometimes we need to be transformed again and again and again. When was the last time you allowed Christ to transform you? When was the last time you said to the Lord, how can this be? Or have you just said, this is how it will be, or should be, or can be? When's the last time you allowed Jesus to frustrate you? And you go, I don't get this. Or have you figured Jesus out? Because see, Nicodemus thought he had Jesus figured out. He knew lots of great things about Jesus. Yet Jesus takes it the other strap of the way. Let me move on very quickly. The kingdom of God, Jesus says, is experienceable. I don't know if that's a word. I don't know that I spelled it right. That's the word that came to mind. You can experience, he says here, that, that those of us, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of flesh and spirit. We can testify to these things. He's talking about he and, and the disciples in, in verses 10 through 15. They can witness and testify to the kingdom of God. It is something you can experience. It's there. See, the kingdom of God is not just one day. And unfortunately, maybe I'll ruin a little bit of John 3.16, ruin it depending on your context. But one of the things we've, we've come to 
realized that John 3, 16, we talk that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And we start to think eternal life, kingdom of God, is strictly someday out in the future when you finally are old and when life is finally passed in, life is done. Then I experience eternal life. The reality is, is if we look at that verse in context of John 3, Jesus isn't talking about life someday. He's talking about right now. For the Jew, the kingdom of God was not just someday. It's going to be a present reality. And Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, your hope can be experienced today. Right now. You're seeing the signs of the kingdom. Nicodemus admitted that. But you have to go deeper, further. You have to be born above of the Spirit. The Spirit. But I would say also the kingdom of God is mysterious. Jesus says, we know the wind. You feel the wind. And we've gotten pretty sophisticated. We can tell which direction the wind is coming from. If you're in my backyard, it's from every direction possible. Sometimes. I know uh, the weather channel will say it's coming from the west, but I feel it from the north and the south as it goes around. So is the kingdom of God. It's, it's experienceable, but sometimes you can't put your words to it. You just know that something different is going on. It's not just experienceable, though. G. John would, is going to give us some commentary, which is part of 16 through 21. And he says in verse 21, But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be plainly seen that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. The kingdom of God is noticeable. See, if it's just one day, then there is very little hope. But it can be today. What are you going to do to make the kingdom of God noticeable? Where someone will experience it, maybe like the wind. They don't quite get it yet. But it helps them on their journey. And this is where, once again, we learn to accommodate people. Not, not to water down our beliefs, absolutely not. But to meet people where they are. I don't know how many people over my 20 plus years now of ministry say, I will, I will come to Jesus, but first let me get my act together. Many of us have probably thought that. And there have been times we in the church have helped to share that. Get right with Jesus. You know, they ought to. We ought to. But what I'd love to say is, you can't get your act together. Jesus doesn't want you when your act is together. He wants you now, and then he will help you get your act together. If you allow it. What about you? Are you waiting for that perfect time to come to Jesus? Or in your journey of life, when, when life becomes unfair, when life becomes hard, when life becomes overrated, are you going to remove yourself from God's people? Those that have been born from above. Because you may be a little bit afraid of what they would say. This is where John 3.17 ought to be the first thing on our mind as kingdom people. For God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. 
Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands, uh, stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's Son. See, sometimes when we try to live out the kingdom of God, we love the very John 3.16. But we don't necessarily live out John 3, 17. We like to tell people why they're condemned. We don't use those words. I've heard it. I've been in settings. I probably shared some of those settings. You know, I remember when I was sitting in a restaurant with two other individuals that, that completely disagreed with me, probably about every single line item. If we had to go down. And you know what? I could have a conversation with them. They knew, they started to know what I believe. I mean, I was up front with them enough to say I am a conservative Baptist. That almost came out wrong. I'm a conservative <laughs> Baptist pastor. You're thinking way too many other thoughts there, both of you. Like father, like God. Alright? You know, and they do these things. And, and the one in particular was the complete opposite. You know what? We could have a conversation where in the end, the individual said, I don't necessarily want you to change your beliefs. I just want you to treat me as a person. Ouch. Ouch. What do our teenagers want to hear from us? Now, if you just do this, this, and this, you'll be good. And just want us to treat them as a person. And then what will happen is what I've experienced year after year after year. When you do that long enough, they invite you in to moments where they say, help me out. Help me out. It's going to come a day when George is going to come to me and say, help me out. She's going to have to use those words. And she may have a little smirk on her face. And before I open my mouth, her eyes are going to start to roll already. And we're both going to laugh. And we're going to have a good time. And she'll actually do something. Hopefully, we'll come. Probably not. But she'll do something as I did last night with a teenager I've known 20-some years. He's not supposed to be old enough to be married. Where in their moment, on their journey, where they wouldn't be where a lot of us would think they ought to be, or even where I would have envisioned them to be, they let you come into the sacred moment of their life journey where you can pronounce the kingdom of God to remind them not get your act together. Or if you only do this in this way, you will be acceptable. But to remind them that you are loved by the creator of God. He has a purpose for you. And that he is good. And that if you will trust him, things can go better. And that life with Jesus starts today. Not someday. So I ask this question in closing. Have you went Kingdom. He said, well, maybe I have it one point in time. Great. Make sure you're there. 
not only have you entered the kingdom, but are you living out that kingdom? Is it noticeable by your life? N.T. Wright, as he interacted with this uh, chapter, you know, said this, very few of us walk around saying, hey, I was born, I was born, I was born. Okay? Not many of us in our houses have our birth certificates framed, and so every time you would come to my house next door, really the church's house where I live in, next door, I won't have to go, hey, guess what, look right there, I was born. Why? Because they see it. Right? Calvin was born. You know? We, he doesn't need to go tell his story of how he was born. Now, some people do because maybe it was dramatic. Okay? But that's part of their journey and their story. Most of us, that's not the case. Can I submit that for some of us, what we need to not be doing is, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I've been born again, I've been born again. Because if you have to tell people you're born again, maybe you need to show it first. Maybe one speaking too much and acting too little. There should become a time when people see your deeds and see they have been done in the sight of God and they go, that's different. And there, the kingdom of God will intersect earth. And revival will happen. In our lives. And in yours. Have you entered the kingdom? If not, I invite you in. The door is there. All you have to do is be born up from above by the Spirit of God. You say, I don't know what that means. That means taking His identity on for yourself. And that will change how you see the world. And to continue on your journey trusting Him. It means living out the kingdom of God on earth. We pray, Father.